Hello, I'm Harry Glorickian, and this is The Harry Glorickian Show, where we explore how technology is changing everything we know about healthcare. Recently, I came across a news story saying that a healthcare AI company called Tempest had acquired a medical imaging company called Arteris. Mergers happen all the time in healthcare, but this one caught my attention because back in 2018, I had a former physicist named Fabian Beckers on the show. Beckers was the CEO of Arteris and had co-founded the company back in 2011. What was interesting about that 2018 interview was that Arteris had recently won FDA clearance for a software platform that could help radiologists analyze MRI images of the heart. That platform was groundbreaking in two respects. First, it used a form of AI called deep learning to automatically locate the contours of the ventricles of the heart, which is one of the things radiologists do when they're trying to diagnose heart failure and other conditions. The technology can help radiologists spot pathologies faster and more accurately. Over time, Arteris went beyond the heart and applied it to MRI and CT images of all sorts of tissue, including the breast, chest, brain, and lungs. The second thing was that the software was entirely cloud-based, meaning doctors could access it over the web so hospitals didn't have to maintain expensive on-premise software or hardware. It was the first time such a platform had ever received the FDA's clearance. And if none of that sounds so surprising now, it's because there's been a quiet revolution over the past five or six years. Today, it would be hard to find a health tech company that isn't using AI and cloud computing in some way. But Arteris was one of the pioneers. So this week, we decided to dip into the show's archives and bring you that original interview with Fabian Beckers. For me, it was fun to listen back to this conversation because it reminded me that just a few years ago, the idea of sharing radiology images over the web was still pretty new. It's also fascinating to me that Arteris wound up being part of Tempest in what's been called perhaps the biggest acquisition in the history of imaging AI. Tempest is a big company backed by more than a billion dollars in venture capital investment. It offers a range of AI applications in healthcare and they're not just aimed at doctors and patients. The company also works with life sciences companies to help them develop and test new therapies. So technologies from Arteris could ultimately make imaging into a bigger part of the way new therapies are discovered and tested. That's a trend we've been talking about on the show for a while now, and it will no doubt continue. Beckers left Arteris in 2020, and today he's the head of digital pathology for Verily Life Sciences, which is part of Alphabet. But right now, Let's listen back to our conversation from October 2018. Fabian, welcome to the show. Hi, Ari. Very happy to be here. and Thank you for, for giving us some time today. Fabian, tell me, tell me about Arteris. Yes, Arteris. Um, so we, we created a company... Uh, six years ago now and been working since then and and the vision and, and the mission that we have is really to try to transform healthcare and to make it truly data driven and we really realize today that the, the main issue um, 
clinical diagnosis as a whole, and especially medical imaging, come from the fact that I think today's infrastructure is really in a, what you call in a pre-internet mode. You have all these computers lying around, trying to make them connected, and therefore I think physicians don't have uh, all the power and all the right tools that they need to really be um, enabled as, a, as we think they should be and could be. And so what we've done after us is instead of, of, of uh, building more um, workstation and more computers that we deploy on site, we are trying to bring medical imaging to the web, um, and we think that we can bring it the power of the internet to really help physicians. And so instead of being a local machine, it's just a, use a browser, you just use your browser to look at images, the data are sent to the cloud while preserving data privacy, and then therefore you have in the background enormous and unlimited amount of computation to do the work that you can do, but then now in seconds rather than minutes or hours. And so you have AI to basically prepare the case for the physician, and uh, the physician can override and change anything they want, So, but they still save enormous amount of time, um, up to 70% in some cases. And then the report goes back uh, within a clinical workflow to whatever reporting structure or whatever data they want, um, and it can be shared with anyone they want also because it's a web-based platform. And so by doing that, we think we're going to equalize and democratize quality of care around the world and enable really to have better accuracy and better productivity at lower cost for healthcare and medical imaging. So you started in cardiac, and now I've you know you're moving to other areas uh, within oncology. But but what are the ultimate goals of the company? Yeah, the, the ultimate goal of the company is really to think about. So we started with cardiac because we felt first of all it's a really important clinical need. So um, our currency at Arthur is really about patient and helping physician, um, and we take that extremely seriously. And so we realized early on that. Cardiac is probably one. They were, first of all, there's extremely uh, strong need on helping a newborn and pediatric patient that are heart defects, where today diagnoses were made uh, using echo and sometimes you don't get the right quantification for the physician to make the right diagnosis. And we thought that was a very important clinical need um, and need to, a problem we need to work on. And so after that, we went and enabled and augmented the product to go cardiac because we thought, okay, if we can tackle the hardest problem in medical imaging, we'll probably build a platform that would be. Um, address for everything else after that. And that's what we built. And now we really truly believe that with our conversation with physician uh, and the, and the, the couple hundred um, physicians we have our office today, that really there's, there's a potential for medical imaging and healthcare to move to the web and to the cloud like any other industries. And is hope to play a, a large part in really helping that transition to happen while respecting all the need that the health system has and all the constraints they have from a medical device or regulatory standpoint. It, as a cloud-based system, how, how have you designed the, or are imagining the business model from a use case perspective, and, and how, how do you think about charging for a software product like this? Yes, that's a great question. So at the moment, the way we're, as any, again, we're, we're taking learning from other industries here. And it's very clear that SaaS and cloud-based have been adopted by other industries successfully, um, and mostly using SaaS and subscription. And I think in healthcare, you have a slight variation because in some ways, um, they have sometimes large uh, multi-year uh, budgets, and we can do that and be more of a, what you call a, a CapEx expenditures. But from other hospitals that tend to have more not OPEX, uh, we're also flexible to enable that as well. And one of the value of a web-based system is not just doing 
the same as they used to do before better, it also opened new possibilities that they didn't have in the past. For example, like today, um, if you have a local system, you tend to upgrade every six months, every year. Now we upgrade every two weeks. Um, it was very hard to connect and share and interact with other physicians outside medical imaging or outside institution. Now with the web-based platform, it's easy to do so. Um, you have computers, you have uh, other data that can be leveraged as well. So it opens new avenues that could not be possible that are really critical for a health system or for helping patients and, and doctors. And so that's why I think the SaaS subscription fits uh, potentially better. It's a lower burden on the hospitals. They can uh, tie that to their P&L um, while reducing their cost, increase their productivity, and get better accuracy across. So it's interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, many conversations that I've had with uh, hospital IT and so forth, like cloud-based systems, you know, always to a certain degree make everybody very uncomfortable. Um, so how did you how did you sort of get over that issue or, or bridge that, that, that gap when, when you were introducing this? And you're very right, Harry. So if you really look at the why, if you understand structurally what has happened in healthcare, you will understand and you also you may ask a question like why is healthcare the last industry not to have really fully adopted the cloud and the web? And I think you, you, you really like put your finger exactly where it is. It's all about patient privacy. And so when we started five, six years ago, when we arrived with really great solution that could only be done cloud-based and very uh, in a cross-prohibitive fashion on a local basis, hospitals were very, um, I would say, excited about the solution, but say we can't move to the cloud because we don't want to send uh, patient health information or PHI to the cloud. And so from, from the get-go, we realized that to really enable and bring the value to the cloud to a health system, you have to solve the data privacy point. And so we spent four and a half, almost five years now, working on a unique as a data privacy solution that allows hospitals to, um, to send us images, but it doesn't have any PHI on it. We strip out all the PHI. But in the browser for the physician, the authors will reconcile for that physician in that session the, the pixel data and the PHI at the time of the read. And so what it means is that by doing that, the physician will have access to the PHI, but without no risk of taking the PHI outside the hospitals. And by doing that, we really bring the value of the cloud and the computation you have on a true cloud-native, real web-based platform uh, to healthcare while making them uh, reassured and, and secure on their private um, patient data. And so is this a real-time interaction that's happening, or is it an upload, analysis, download? Nope. No, it's real-time. So it's like... Uh, uh, think about analogies in other industries, like think about Netflix. Uh, we're basically creating kind of Netflix of medical imaging. Of course, the patient data comes inside a browser um, for the physician uh, whenever he or she looks at the images. Um, but the PHI comes from the hospital, so the same as if you were inside the wall of the hospital. Um, and the pixel data comes from the cloud. So like that, we bridging the two problems into one uh, working solution that inter integrates um, and is interoperable to the workflow and the uh, health um, IT system. So one of the big, you know, um, milestones for you guys, I, I, you know, because I remember reading it was was the FDA approval for the product, and now there's it's it it looks like there's been multiple FDA approvals. I'm sure there's a whole series that you have in the pipeline with them now that you you had your first one cleared. But can you talk a little bit about that FDA? approval journey, 
you know, the implications for the for the company and, and your experience with with the agency? For sure. And I think it's, what is really important is I think some people really tackle um, AI and medical imaging uh, recently, I would say last two, three years since deep learning came nascent as a tech problem. And at Autorist, we, we really strongly disagree with that vision. We really think that it's profoundly a medical device um, uh, solution uh, that happens to have software and that happens to have some form of, of advanced analytics that can be put to bear, but it's at the core a medical device that is supposed to help physicians, taking care of patients for very critical conditions. And so therefore, if you apply the, 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 the process of a true medical device, uh, 510K or FDA uh, process, then you basically can get clearance and therefore you can get uh, adopted by hospital. But I think the, the real landscape is, is, the, is the following one. So how did you, how did you, you know, what was your experience with the agency? I'm, I'm, cause this is very new to them, um, as it is to all of us in, the, in you know, in the industry. Did you, you know, I want to say that you guys are first. So, so you're all, you're teaching them while they're sort of teaching you in a sense, and it's a back and forth. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that we're teaching them. I do think that we're, we're trying to apply a framework that builds trust on how we are approaching those problems and try to, uh, to bring solutions that respect their need and their constraint while showing that the path to bring uh, safety and efficacy. Um, so, for example, we build framework on how we test and validate. We put some, some uh, we follow all the guidelines regarding testing and, and, um, and every single uh, validation process that we have internally. And so I do think now it's more and more interest around the FDA on how we're going to tackle the fact of having framework on how we can be applied AI throughout um, the body rather than in the past having just one organ and one function. And so, for example, our oncology clearance is, is applied to the whole body as long as, of course, we detail in our processes after that how to, um, to test and validate each algorithm. And so I think there's really ways to really work with the FDA. So far, for us, it's been actually a, a very good experience on how we can take a, a solution um, that is fully uh, finalized and, and ready to hit clinical uh, grade and be put to market once it's gone to the, the right process. Let's pause the conversation for a minute to talk about one small but important thing you can do to help keep the podcast going. And that's leave a rating and review for the show on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is open Apple Podcast app on your smartphone, search for The Harry Glorickian Show, and scroll down to the ratings and review section. Tap the stars to rate the show, and then tap the link that says write a review to leave your comments. It'll only take 30 seconds, but you'll be doing a lot to help other listeners discover the show. And one more thing. If you like the interviews we do here on the show, I know you'll like my new book, The Future You, How Artificial Intelligence Can Help You Get Healthier, Stress Less, and Live Longer. It's a friendly and accessible tour of all the ways today's information technologies are helping us diagnose disease faster, treat them more precisely, and create personalized diet and exercise programs to prevent them in the first place. The book is now available in print and ebook formats. Just go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and search for The Future You by Harry Glorickian. And now, back to the show. 
I had seen um, a talk you gave, or, or and, and it was referred that you were part of the World Economic Forum Steering Committee on Value-Based Care. Are, are you still part of that? Uh, I, well, I am at the moment. I have to admit that with my, my, my schedule and the travel, I'm not as involved as I was at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I was at the, at the time I did talk last, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, you run a, a data-driven medical company and you're, you're, you've been exposed now to that group. And so how do you see, what are the implications from data-driven medicine on value-based medicine? And I'm asking this for self-serving purposes. I wrote a book on this, so I'm I'm curious to what your your positioning is or what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I, I do think that the the missing piece between the two together is having the right tool and the right information and the right reporting to help uh, driving the best decision possible, isn't it? And so in that regard, at the moment, I think ads is a very siloed system that we're dealing with. It's very hard to have the data surface in a way to enable the physician or the institution to give the right or the best possible treatment to the best uh, to the patient. And so in that regard, I think the web-based system like doctors, what we can provide is one person a layer of accuracy and productivity across the system. And so the beauty of, of medical imaging is that there's three vendors, the data are standardized, structured, and they're usually an IT system that is slightly different, but still much more homogeneous than you have in the, in the text data field for EMR. And so you can really truly make value on that first level. And then on top of it, it's not aggregating those across a large uh, pool of patients or, or hospitals. And then on top of it, you can also start adding now other data on top of it about the EMR you can start integrating to, to give more substance to the analysis. And by keep adding those layers, I believe we'll get closer and closer to have a very exhaustive, of course it's never going to be fully complete, but as close as we can be, to a full picture, um, no point intended, to the physician about what's <laughs> happening to that patient, what would be the best treatment to enable value-based care and to enable the best optimal path for that patient. So if I'm not mistaken, the company idea came out of your work from Stanford. And how did that, you know, how, how did you get that off the ground? How did you start the companies, the company itself. For sure. And I think it came out of Stanford very personally, actually. I had myself a, a health situation I had to deal with. And I was surprised. I, I came um, to the U.S., um, to Stanford, for doing some mission-type work when I had personal health issues myself and discovered how variable was the clinical diagnosis process and how people had very little information data to drive the decision. I really felt that was a very interesting um, uh, situation, and therefore got me worth investigating. And the more I learned and the more I got into it, the more I realized how um, uh, structural it was, not just a one-off situation. And then the further I went, then I started um, thinking about potential solutions to bring more data-driven um, elements to one, um, one disease area. And then by adding other physicians, we realized together that the problem is not about another piece of software. The problem is at a structural level. Health systems today are based on the local on-premise workstation approach and therefore are kind of like in shackle in some way or, or by default, it's very hard for data to flow 
for the compute capability to be put to bear to the physician, and the whole system is kind of in a, in a, in a holdout situation. And so we felt that it would be worth try to build from scratch the right infrastructure for kind of healthcare 2.0 way of thinking that will embrace the web, that will embrace cloud computation, that will embrace AI, that will embrace like collaboration and sharing, and break down those silos, neutralize some resources on a global scale to make the system and physician uh, work better together. Healthcare is a very interesting field because in other industries, it would be hard for engineers for two different companies to work together or two bankers to work together. In healthcare, physicians are are willing to work together. And so therefore, what they need is a system to enable them. And so that's why we think more than any other industry, um, a web-based platform for medical industry and clinical diagnosis is essential, is the key and the right framework to bring uh, knowledge, which is, of course, it's a peer-to-peer industry, so knowledge is extremely important in healthcare, but doesn't work with a siloed um, uh, system. Uh, it's about really having multiple AI run on every case, uh, which is about having need to compute. If you want even more compute, you need to start leveraging um, the cloud because you can start leveraging more data and not just medical imaging. There's, I don't know how much data has been changed or how much data of healthcare has been increased every like month or two months. I think it's in the, the, the terabyte data, isn't it? So therefore, you need AI to bring that data to bear to get the learning out of it and help di- digesting that at the level of the case of the patient. And so that's what we felt was needed, and that's not to do with AI. It has to do with infrastructure. It has to do with the web. It has to do with having a, a browser that can process um, medical imaging at a real time wherever they are. It has to do with interoperability and workflow integration. It has to do with data privacy. A lot of core pieces that are not sexy but are so crazily important in order to really enable the transition of that industry and that field. Well, it's interesting, right? I mean, I, I, I keep hearing, you know, AI, 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 machine learning. I hear all these, you know, everybody talks about it. But at some point, you know, the user actually doesn't care because the user just wants the answer. So it's almost as if it should be transparent to them in the background. But it's not it's the same it's like if I tell you today that you can get a lot of transistors for your phone. Like, you don't care. You just want a phone and an iPhone or whatever <laughs> brand that works. Yeah. Yes, you want to pick up and make a phone call. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you want to make a phone call. You don't want to know, like, hey, I, I give you the best, like Motorola XYZ transistor. You want, to, you want to make a solution. And I can tell you that from now I know AI is the, is the buzz, and it's true that AI can really help drive productivity and accuracy. And it works. Like, deep learning really truly can reproduce tasks that are done by resources accurately and very well. But the hard part is not the AI. The hard part is the platform. It took us five, six years to build a platform. It can take us weeks or months to build an algorithm. It's not many more. So it's really not the hard part. Um, the so, the interoperability in the hospital, the workflow integration, the data privacy, that's are the real Himalayas client. The, the AI, every single banker and, and trader in Wall Street can download TensorFlow and, and get download from NIH for a thousand data sets and build a model and become a medical AI company. But what they're going to do when they have this AI is algorithm. How are you going to get it to the, to the physician at the end of the day to impact patients? And that's that smile between the AI and the, and the patient and the physician is for us, I think, what we believe uh, the, the much, much harder problem to solve. So Fabian, what, 
you know, what were, if you had to juxtapose, what were some of the challenges in the early days of the company? And what are some of the, you know, business and technical challenges you face now, right? You know, year one versus year five or six, I'm, I'm guessing. I, th- I think that's a really interesting question. So I think on, on, on year one, it was really like, okay, so we had a vision on, on the, how to, to bring that data-driven medicine, how to build that infrastructure. I think we are far, far, far underestimated how hard it is to build it. So we thought that within, I don't know, months or years, we'll be done and we'll be fully ready. And we're five and a half, six, nearly six years in, and, and we feel like how there's still more to do and, and, and wish every day we've done more. So I think that's, that's year one. Um, and so, and then also discovering issues about, if you come from the tech world, it seems so easy that, yeah, of course, it was a web solution. Everyone uses the web. Why we didn't do a local system? But you have to understand all the complexities and, and intricacies of building a web solution for a healthcare environment and for a hospital. And so we had to learn a lot of those things. And it's not about something that you can do overnight. It's a lot of iteration work when you just that's one bottleneck, and then you have another bottleneck, and another, and one by one, you keep addressing them over years. Um, so I think that that was the first few years. Now we have a different problem, which is about scale. So now we're getting health systems that are seeing, and I think the mentality has shifted to now CIO, CEO, TMIO, radiologists see the value of what a web-based platform can bring them, as long as it's great data privacy and it's regulated. And so now we have a situation where we are talking to health system to transition to leverage offers. Um, but of course, how many can, can we tackle? How many can we get uh, connected to the platform? Those are the different situations. We are live now in China. So we have three within the world to manage, plus we are in nearly 95 or 100 countries where we're regulated today. So we have a question of scale, which is very different now than a question of building from scratch, uh, which was the case five, six years ago. Well, Fabian, I don't want to take any more of your time. You've, you're, you're out there really making a, a difference in the industry as a you know, thought leader and, and trailblazer in the area, especially from a regulatory approval perspective, getting a product out there that's useful. I want to thank you so much for your time and you know, everything you, you've, uh, you've uh, shared with us. And um, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you, Harry, so much, and uh, it was a real pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's episode. You can find a full transcript of this episode, as well as the full archive of episodes of The Harry Glorikian Show and Moneyball Medicine at our website. Go to glorikian.com and click on the tab Podcasts. I'd also like to thank our listeners for boosting The Harry Glorikian Show into the top 3% of global podcasts. If you want to be sure to get every new episode of the show automatically, be sure to open Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player and hit follow or subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we always love to hear from listeners on Twitter, where you can find me at hglorikian. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. And be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next interview.